Are we two, are we two parts of the same person's brain? Is this is this the big reveal? Wait, is this podcast really somebody? What if this podcast is somebody's consciousness? And it's just this way of working things out. Is to have cool. a podcast in their brain. I'm going to do that next time I'm like in an internal quandary. I'm going to I'm going to run a podcast episode about it. Do it. That sounds fun. Have people, have people call in and give their opinion. And then if you're like having to bend things and like people wouldn't call in and give us opinion. The thing you're probably arguing about is probably a shitty idea. It's probably, it's probably really bad. <laughs> From Momland Productions and Facade Media. This is Are We Sure This Is Good? with Rob Durland and Tim Mom. Hello, and welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? I am Tim, and with me as always is Robert Chase Durland. Say hi to everybody, Rob. Hey. Hey. Hi. I'm, yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here, and I'm here to do a good job with you, Tim. That's my number one goal in life. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm above fatherhood now. You're going to want to recalibrate that. Huh? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it? No. It's, it's up there, though. <laughs> Let's say uh, I, I'd like to be in the top five. Can I be? Let's just say top five. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. Top five. Same. We want to do a good job. Top five. So this is a show where we, we talk about. Oh, I thought we were going to every other word at this. I. It. No. You. Mm. <laughs> this is a show where we talk about. <laughs> things that are good. Welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good. This is a show about things that are good. We're going to. Discuss things that we think are good. We're also going to talk about larger, big topics and ask whether or not they're really good and dissect them a little bit. Take them apart. Take them apart. Like Put a, them back together. Like a rotisserie. Well, I was going to say like a rotisserie chicken, but no. if you're putting your rotisserie chickens back together, yeah. you're doing rotisserie chickenry wrong. You are. That is an incorrect way to do it. More like a watch repair. We're going to take it apart, see what makes it tick, and then put it all back together and then leave and no one will know we were here. Yeah, take apart the rotisserie chicken, figure out how to build a watch that works exactly like a rotisserie chicken, uh-huh. but is actually a watch. Or is it actually a chicken? Ooh, what if your watch tasted like rotisserie chicken and every time you wanted to know what time it was, you licked it and it tasted exactly like rotisserie chicken in the shape of what time it was, but you couldn't see it. You had to lick the watch. Wow. That sounds amazing. In the Animorphs books, there's a, an alien species called the Andalites. And they have an internal clock mechanism, and they constantly know exactly what time it is. It's amazing. Exactly. So this week, speaking of animorphs, <laughs> speaking of animorphs, this week we are going to talk about libraries. Um, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the otherwise. Uh, first, we're going to do some follow up from last week. Uh, talk about Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, which is harder to say than I thought it was going to be. Lovecraft Country uh, and Jonathan Majors a little bit. We're going to talk about what's good this week. And then we're going to play a little game called Pitch Me With Your Best Shot, where we pitch our favorite things that are related to the topic. And this week, of course, that topic is libraries. But first, follow up from last week. Rob had a great question about Jonathan Majors, who played He Who Remains in the Loki series. Yeah. And the main question was like, well, why isn't he still working for HBO? He's a, he's a big Marvel guy now. Uh, spoilers coming up for Marvel things and generally the show Loki, but he's great as he who remains also Kang the Conqueror. looks like that's all one big character that they're doing in the Loki show and the Marvel universe writ large because Kang the Conqueror played by Jonathan Majors is also in Ant-Man and the quantum realm, quantum mania that one's called. 
Ken Kang and the Membrane. And so because Jonathan Majors was such a badass and so awesome, it got Rob to wondering, hey, why why did Lovecraft Country get canceled? And so it looks like, spoilers for Lovecraft Country coming up here. In the show Lovecraft Country, which I haven't finished yet, Jonathan Majors' character does get killed. But it's a very mythological, big, magical show. So you could obviously bring him back if you really wanted to. Um, But the last episode actually aired in October of 2020, which means that they have been done shooting this show for quite a long time. And in reading about it a little bit, the show was actually out of source material. It was based on a story. And as that story ran out, so did the first season. And then this is my speculation uh, that HBO is uh, just still mad and still a little burned from Game of Thrones. And they know what happens when showrunners run out of their source material and bad things can happen. Not saying that's what would have happened with Lovecraft Country. By all means, the showrunners look great. But if you're HBO and you had a really cool thing going and you've run out of source material, it's easy to see how they might be like, you know, we're good. We're good. We're going to call it and just have a really cool one series anthology lovecraft that's Country. how netflix does it netflix just brings them in and brings them out boom keeps them while they're good and gets them out of there so hopefully that's not really an answer to your question that's just kind of like five different speculations stacked on top of each other like some speculation pancakes but that's all that tr- truth is it's all, <laughs> it's all that internet truth is we could say it that way because that's definitely true do you have any other follow-up from last week anything you want to hit us with oh you know not really uh, but I do, wanna, I do want to remind uh, everybody listening that when Tim says last week, we do mean two weeks ago. True. Uh, just reminding, we we did drop that secret episode. Not secret anymore, because hmm. now it's out for the world to hear. We've pulled back You've the curtain it. to let you, you into the it. music yeah. selection show. That was yeah, a really fun was... show to make. That was our first endeavor together. We were podcasting for the first time, getting our mic set up. I sound worse because my mic setup is worse. I didn't have my pop filter. I didn't have my mic stand. I didn't have these headphones. I don't even think we were just trying stuff out. And now we have some of the quintessential podcast gear. And also it was a fun uh, conversation just picking out music because you're trying to figure out like a song that embodies what we're going for, like the mood we want to set as we come into the show. And yeah, Yeah. it was, I thought it was a fun conversation. It was, it was. Now you, you, you two can see how far we've come. (laughs) <laughs> Both in our quality and in um, how well we gel, like Magellan, uh, the, the the old ads for shoe inserts, gelling like Magellan. Mm-hmm. They were they were good on your feet. The Doctor Shoes, yeah. This yeah. this shoe this 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 show is like Doctor Shoes mm-hmm. for your ears. Yes, it's gonna be real jelly. It's supportive. Yeah, not rigid. It's flexible. And it Blue. helps get you where you're going. If you're commuting, if you just want to wind down a little bit, you know, we're here, Plus, we're here for you. That little hole, that little hole in the packaging mm-hmm. where you can feel the blue goo is That's really right. fun to play with. Yeah. I feel like you're getting nostalgic now. I feel like you're 12 year old Rob walking through a Walmart poking at Dr. Yeah. Scholl's inserts. Who, that's, I feel like that's something that everybody did. That and hiding in the clothes racks. My little yeah. brother and I hid in the clothes racks at Kmart constantly. Yeah. Kmart still real? Yeah. Nope. No? They definitely closed all those. <laughs> so that's follow-up from last week. Um, 
please give a listen to last week's episode. It is a fun little thing here on how we started out and how we picked the theme music for the, the show. Uh, and if you do like the podcast, please remember to rate and review us. Give us some stars and some love on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The ratings really do help podcasts grow and find new listeners. So please do that if you're enjoying the show. Yeah, tell some friends. Because uh, the best thing about friends is when you and your friend share interests. Mm -hmm. So if this is a show that is one of your interests, be like, hey, friend of mine. Yeah. Guess what? This is something that is deeply sort of personal to me. It's the show that I like. And now that we're friends, I want to share this joy that I have with you. And then your friend will just grab onto that and be like, oh, thank you. I can't believe you let me further into your world. So I'm just saying uh, you can make that happen for you right now with this show. You can be you can make that whole story a part of your narrative in life. Yeah. Uh, just tell a friend. It's like holding hands, but with your brain, you're holding brains. Yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's that's such a cool image. Mm -hmm. Like just brains. Like a brain hug. The, the folds just interlapping in ways that only brains can do. Oh, I was making them like a giant huggy brains. You were like going with the, the wrinkles. Oh, that's too, uh, that too. I like they all start of out, They start out with big hands and yeah. then they get closer and they just keep smushing together and their wrinkles go together. <laughs> and, then they're, and then they're like, I can't, I don't want to hug anymore, but I can't because our, our folds have too much friction between them. We literally can't pull apart. And they're like, oh, this, this kind of sucks now, bro. Get off of me. <laughs> Hugs are cool, but not forever. Take a turn. <laughs> Why does it have to take a turn into an eternal hug that no one wants? That's such a doctor. <laughs> so that's follow-up from last week. But every week on this show, we do want to talk about what's good. So this week, we are both going to have a couple of things that we found fun or good. So Friendship. Friendship is back on the menu. Friendship. Back Just on the from menu. That. <laughs> so Rob, what's good this week? Friendship's back on the menu, boys. I do want to talk about friendship, and I just want to say um, it's hard to make friends when you're older. Oh, man, isn't it? Like, what? There's so many variables that go into it. Like I have friends that we, we hung out with a bit. And then just because our kids are like, we had kids at different times. And you, you would think a couple of years isn't that big a deal. Like three years, four years, like a, a five-year-old hanging out with a two-year-old is not a recipe for a calm, relaxing adult hangout of, of parental people. Because the five-year-old can just like get angry and clock the two-year-old. Not that that happens, like, hopefully my kids don't do that. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's a thing that could happen. Like my kids get frustrated and they'll be like, oh, and they'll stomp off. And it's easy to see them like throwing a little tantrum that could hurt uh, a little baby. And that's never happened. But that's constantly what I'm worried about is like there's a size disparity and just an ability disparity. And you're just like, well, they can't play the same things. You can't just throw a two year old out in the yard and be like, all right, just go play outside while, while I have coffee and hang out with my adult friends. <laughs> You can totally you do that with five-year-olds. I have twin five-year-olds. I'll do it all the time. My brother comes over for coffee. I'm going to throw them out in the yard. Like, hey, you guys go play outside. I'm having coffee. And they're fine. They're running around in the yard. We have a fence. It's fine. Anyone who's listening that is worried about these kind of things. It's all good. Um, but no, it's, yeah, it's really, really tough. There's a fence that keeps them contained. Keeps them contained. So even like, sorry, I, what I was trying to say was even people who you would think would be, oh, those are going to be people in my friend group because we're both parents and we're both around the same age and we probably have some of the same interests. It's just so hard to thread the needle of actually successfully hanging out in a in a person to person way that it becomes like a chore. And anytime friendship becomes a chore, that's like a 
that's rough. You don't want it to feel like that. So yeah, just just it's hard to make new friends. So check on the friends you have, or maybe just give an old friend a, a how do you do. Mm-hmm. Skip some of that nonsense. Maybe they had kids now, and then you can be like, hey, how do you do? And they'll be like, man, kids are crazy. And you'll be like, I know. Right. So yeah, that's good. That wasn't on my list, but I got a couple other things. Like uh, I got a couple of games, like this game called Dreams and this game called Game Builder Garage. They're both kind of the same, and you can make games in these games. It's a game for making games? Yeah. All right. It's so cool. Explain it like I'm five. Well, the Dreams, you can like go and sculpt 3D models and then animate them and then program them and make video games with it all in that game it's like crazy and uh for ps4 if if you have a playstation vr you can do all that in vr so you can sculpt with your hands and in 3d space and then animate 3d space so that's that's really cool i'm getting into that but i most i've had a ton of time for that one because it's a little more involved but i have one for my nintendo switch that's similar called game builder garages you can't you can't build your old assets like characters or enemies but you can uh, do a lot of the programming and learning about a bunch of stuff and I, I literally relearned trigonometry and i have a better understanding of it from playing this game that's meant nice. for seven-year-olds but yeah it's a really it's a really fun it's a really good time learning that things again super cool there's a, actually a coding competition coming up called like i think js13k where you have to make a game like in a week that's less than 13 kilobytes i don't know if that's i'm on yep it's crazy, crazy cool competition. So if you have them, we'll link to it in show notes. But the games that these people make in a time window with so little uh, available memory to them are incredible. Um, and humble brag, uh, my brother is one of the former champions. He's won JS13. Nice. It's a worldwide coding competition and he's actually won it. And it got him noticed uh, for a graphical uni- graphic uni- user interface job. That he does now. So he's got, it, it like became a, a thing in his resume. So it's not just, you know, people, it, it is just a uh, coding competition and it is just for video games. And that's where all the fun is. But on the other side of it, it, it they code at such a high level that it forces them to come up with really cool things. And they go back and forth, uh, building better and better games every year and challenging each other. There's always a theme, but uh, I'll link to it in show notes. JS13K, you should totally check it out and definitely check out, uh, you know, my brother's games because they're going to be really cool. A lot of them are playable uh, right out of the gate. Uh, when they start announcing winners, you can link to the game and play them and see all the winners of the competitions, everyone who plays and that kind of thing. So. Just made me think of that. Ooh. He was texting me uh, just today. He, the countdown clock. I think it's in the next ten days. Uh, the JS thirteen K. So well, that's all I got. What do you got? That's good. Uh, for me, I have Ted Lasso, and I know that everyone on the internet's talking about Ted Lasso. And I wish sometimes not, that I wasn't a Starbucks drinking basic bitch. But you know, I am. I love Starbucks. I love, I love Ted that Lasso. You're basic. And it's not a lot I can I love do that about you're basic. it. Basic. Oh, thanks, cool. You're not that basic. <laughs> I like. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of I like the Marvel movies. Have you heard of these, Rob? <laughs> Never. You know, I just I, I just like iPhones and Marvel movies and Starbucks. I'll have some original thoughts someday, and I'm going to write them down. But until I do, I'm just going to enjoy all these other things. But anyway, Ted Lasso, uh, it's all over the internet, but I really do enjoy it. Uh, my wife and I are watching it together. Any show that my wife and I watch together always kind of has a special place uh in my heart because it's nice to snuggle up on the love seat and have some popcorn and watch a show and ted lasso especially because i feel like they do deal with sadness and loss and it's also optimistic and pushing forward and that that honestly that speaks to me on a really personal level so i i think that show's amazing and the acting and the comedy 
is just like a crazy amount of frosting on this already amazing cake where the acting is incredible. It's really well cast and the jokes just all hit. Uh, Brett Goldstein, especially in the first two episodes, has done an amazing job as the, the retired soccer player Roy Kent. So it definitely, definitely worth checking out. Um, the other Can thing I ask I, you a question, Tim? Yeah, hit me. Do you pee in the shower? Occasionally. Why? Oh, you're not basic then. Oh. You're, you're cool. I, I once had a conversation with uh, somebody about the qualities of somebody who is basic. And I was like, if I pee in the shower to save time and water, does that make me more or less basic? And I was informed that makes me not basic at all. That's a cool. That's just something oh, so that's there's unique. A, there's a line in the sand there. You're not basic if you pee in the shower. Okay. The more often you pee in the shower, the less basic you are. This is science. Yeah, it, so. it feels sciencey as you're saying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feels true. So, feels feels like one of those internet true things we talked about earlier. Please, please add us at awstig. How many times <laughs> you pee in the shower, and we will tell you how basic you are. How many times you pee in the shower per week? I was gonna say per shower, like once, hopefully. Jesus. <laughs> Hey, some people got a starting stopping problem. I mean, if you it's know? more than 15 seconds between starts, it's probably a separate P uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Just <laughs> I wanted to boost your self-esteem with an announcement that I don't think you're basic because you pee in the shower. Oh, thanks. I'm just going to put on my Under Armour hat real quick while we're recording just to remind you how. <laughs> Tip the scales back in the. Okay. But have you direction. ever peed in that Under Armour hat? I haven't. So. Okay. I'm that's pretty basic then. The other good thing I have for this week uh, are neighbors, uh, just generally neighbors. Uh, it's been really isolating. Obviously, the last uh, 15, 16, however many months we've been doing COVID bullshit. And by COVID bullshit, I mean the the hard work that we all do together to eradicate a new disease, not that masks or vaccines are bullshit, just to be clear. Uh, those are good things. Get vaccinated. But um, it as has many times as you can. Yeah. You know, line up. I say they're saying more, more for the Delta. Just keep getting vaccinated. Keep going and going. I I went Moderna, Pfizer, Moderna, Pfizer, and then a Johnson six weeks later. Just and then I bought the Russian one online. It came to me in like a little. Oh shit! Yeah, I was I had the dry ice. You open it, and the the cool dry ice team came out. Yeah, I got the I got the one I got the one that's mixed with shark DNA yes. for that testosterone boost. That's it's cool. called it's called the Axe Axe Vaccine Plus. It's an aerosol. It's an aerosol. You spray it right on your taint and you get the bull shark DNA <laughs> right up into your bloodstream oh. and, the, and, the, and the Moderna vaccine. I've got a um, strong, strong feeling that you just sprayed Axe all over yourself and it stung and you assumed that it was medicinal. Hey, if it's stinging, it's working, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how vaccines work. Yep. Anyway, all that is to say neighbors. Uh, are a good thing. I've got some great neighbors. Uh, we all, have, like we talked about earlier, uh, having kids the same age is tough. Uh, it's hard to connect with people if their kids aren't like the exact same age as yours because it makes it hard to hang out sometimes. So my neighbors all have kids uh, right around the same age. There's there's kids all around uh, my kids' age. We see them. One of my neighbors loans me a snowblower anytime the snow's really bad. I help one of my neighbors clear uh, branches off of his yard after a really bad thunderstorm, knocked a bunch of branches down. Uh, people honk and wave at my kids when they drive by and I try to wave at everybody. And somebody mowed my lawn while I was gone. Somebody else mowed the neighbor's lawn what? while she was out of town. I don't even know who did it. It's just, you know, it's it, it's getting to be a nice neighborhood. I moved around a lot when I first got married. Um, I got married in 2012. 
So coming up on 10 years next year, which is going to be pretty cool. But uh, my wife and I have had eight houses in nine years. Like we moved a lot. And this is one of the first houses, if not the first house. Yeah, it is. We're a full two years at this house at looking like three or four and, and beyond because we're, we're really settling down now. The kids have a elementary school to go to, so we can't just pick babies up and move anymore. And so, yeah, as you put down like roots and like we're we're painting the house and making the house exactly how we want it, which we never really did before, which is a whole separate thing. But like the other side of that is we're seeing the same faces and the same families next to us all the time. And it's nice to to be a part of a community, like a little micro community with just like six, seven houses right around us where, hey, I, I know that guy's name and I know his kid's name and I can wave and say hi to him and the kid. And if he needed something, he could just come knock him out. Hey, do you have an impact driver? I'm trying to fix my deck. Yeah. All those suburban dad things, you know, like, hey, do you have the this tool? I haven't bought this tool. Yeah, I actually do. And you can, it's just nice to help people out. And also it's nice to be helped out. It's nice. Uh, the, I like both of it. Both sides of, of that coin are cool in the, the neighborhood arena. And I've talked too much now about neighbors, but boom. Put a hey, ball no. On no, but uh, I just wanted to check in real quick. How do you know that they aren't mowing your lawn for malicious purposes? Hmm. Just, just putting that out there. Just be safe. Give me two malicious purposes for lawn mowing. Go. They're mowing your lawn to case the outside of your house. Okay. One. Two. They're mowing your lawn because mowing other people's lawns does it for them. I'm fine like with the a, second one as long as sex they, way. they finish everything in the privacy of their own home. Uh, as far as the first one, yeah, I got four dogs. And well, that's the thing. They're casing the house to steal your dogs. Oh, that's what they're going to steal? Yeah. I mean, one of them, fine, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> Another one of them would be really bad. My wife would murder you because she's had that dog a long time. And the other two, fucking good it's luck. It's not me. I'm not going to do it. Good luck stealing the don't. other two because... I don't need the luck. I don't need the luck and I don't need I don't need any of this. I'm not doing it. No, I was just speaking to the people yeah. casing my house in our hypothetical world. There's one the, dog that you can take and no one will say a word. There's one dog that if you touch, you're going to... People will find you. I'll just say it that way. No. And there's two dogs that I don't think you could handle. And I don't think you want to take. They're not even and one if you, year old. And, you, if you, and if you ask each dog which one it is, it will lie to you. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to figure out which one you can take, they will all lie. Two of the dogs always tell the truth. One of the dogs always <laughs> lies. And the fourth one is a degenerate alcoholic gambler piece of shit. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a mind puzzle. Good but luck. But if you unlock the mind puzzle, you get a dog. <laughs> yeah, free dog. Hey, free dog. Free dog. Let's just let's think of it from the other angle. Hey, free dog. Free dog. I think that's like a deep cut to Jack Handy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Shouts hey, to Jack dummy. Handy. Those were great. Mm -hmm. You got a special beverage this week. What is it? A and W Classic oh. Root Beer. That's not your Clar Bloom. I'm out of my classic fizzy water, but I wanted something to drink. And a &W doesn't have caffeine. Barks root beer, warning to the parents out there, thinking a root beer float is a cool thing to give a five-year-old. It totally is. Root beer floats rock. You should have root beer floats all the time. They're amazing. Barks root beer has fucking caffeine in it. And you do yeah. not want to give that to a five-year-old. They warned you. The, the slogan is Barks has bite. The slogan should be Barks is? is the only root beer with caffeine. You should drink it because it's awesome. Don't give it to kids. Yeah, that, that's not as catchy as Barks has bite. but It's the Mountain Dew of root beers. They have all kinds of extreme sports teams on the Barks. They have race car drivers. I feel like you're making have, this up. They have snowboarders. They have alpine skiers. They this have feels alpine fake. race car. They have alpine race car drivers. 
They have ice skiers. They have snow blinders. They have they have paintball assassins. You kept going long enough that I think it's real now. <laughs> paintball assassins, but it's on snowboards. Barks is so extreme, you don't even understand how extreme they are. You know how Red Bull Red Bull has those airplane yeah. thing uh, races the, in the, the sky, the wingsuit guys. Yeah. No, though. Yeah, that that like the airplanes through the cones. Mm-hmm. Bark has Barks has submarine races. How has Red Bull not gotten product placement in the Fast and Furious movies yet? I feel like an energy drink is I, right I think, up their alley. I think they're too snooty. Snooty. I think I think Red Bull is all about like some sort of you know a little more snootier stuff like European sports and snootiness. And it's not. It, I thought you were saying Fast and Furious is too snooty. You're saying no, Red, Red Bull Red, is too good for Fast and Furious. I think it thinks it is. No, they are fucking not. That I is know, not I, true. I know. I, I don't think so either. But they're, they're, no I think one's they look above down. family, Rob. No yeah. one. Number one, Dominic Toretto. He always says family first, even at pancake restaurants. When they're like, what would you like to eat first at pancake restaurant? Would you like five flapjacks? And he's like, no, family first. And then the server's like, you want to eat your family? And he's like, no, family first. I'm like, what do you want to eat first? It's, this whole, it's a whole thing. He, he gets kicked out every time he does. It sounds really frustrating. It what is it is. Uh it is. And it's actually it's actually it's actually gone on to hurt um Vin Diesel. Vin uh, Diesel. That is the yeah. correct European pronunciation of that name. Continue. Well yeah. It's it's Dutch. It's a Diesel. Uh if you're if you're Dutch is sort of is sort of like a pastry. Mm-hmm. Um but instead of pastry dough, it's noodle dough. Originally he came from the Dussel clan. And it changed yeah. it to Diesel. At Ellis Island when he came to this country. Yeah, his original name when he when he when he first boarded the boat in 1909 uh, was Vorn Dossel. Or what did you say, Dussel? Vorn Dussel. And then he was bit. He was bit by Lord Dracula, and that is why he still remains with us. How weird is it that his actual name is Vin Diesel? And in the movie about cars, they're like Dominic. <laughs> We're gonna call him Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> His nope. name is already two car things. <laughs> Why would you do that? His name is literally car part gasoline. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's good this week. <laughs> now it's time for a part of the show that I really like. It's called Pitch Me With Your Best Shot. Pitch and Me I'll- With Your Best Shot. That's what I like about it, is one of us gets to sing, and it sounds like Pat Benatar. Come on, pitch me with your best shot. And sometimes we make, back, we make jokes about Pat Benatar suing us. Like, she would ever give us the time of day. Mm-hmm. Pat Benatar is a musical goddess. Could you imagine she, giving a shit about us? I couldn't. <laughs> and, I, and I won't. I won't. She she deserve she doesn't deserve to have me imagine her giving a shit about me. That's how that's how high in regard I hold Pat Benatar. I really hope Pat Benatar hasn't done any terrible things. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna come back to haunt us. I don't think so. I think I go. I think We're gonna I'm be canceled Google. by association because Pat Benatar's family was something terrible. Pro- I mean, I don't think so. I don't think I so. Think I, I think I gargled this already because I knew I was gonna talk about Pat Benatar. I was like, I really hope she didn't do anything bad. Uh, please don't do bad stuff. Also, hey. Anyway, this week on this Pitch Me with Your Best Shot, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna pitch a library that should exist but doesn't. Rob, what's your I have library? A 
have a couple. Library of Smells. Yeah. I need it to work both ways. If you have a smell in mind, you can bring that in there. Okay. And you can uh, try to remember the smell, and a machine learning algorithm will line that up with other brain scans of people smelling that smell. And they'll be like, this is the smell you smell with a certain percent accuracy. How do you like, bring the smell? So like you're going to grab some grass and bring it no, into no, no. the library? You, 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 you try to remember the smell in your brain. <laughs> oh. And it's going to hook you up to a brain scanner. And then it's going to start pumping out smells that people have associated those scans with until it lines up. And you're like, oh, this is the one. This is mm-hmm. the one. You might have to have some buttons. So you can look, look up the smell and find out what's making that smell. Or if you want to remember a smell from your childhood that you can remember, it'll produce that smell. And you can find out what that smell is. Okay. Also, you can bring smells in and find out what they are or or uh, or talk about or, you know, you can find a smell based on different qualities. Like you want a sweet smell and you can go to the sweet smell section and look at, you know, smell some of those. Mm-hmm. Or you want a sweet sort of, uh, uh, you know, a uh, 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 fresh sort of laundry ish sort of smell. Kind of okay. all those mixed together. Yeah. Or you, or some you want fabric softeners, seat. some dryer sheets. Yes. You want something more coastal or fishy, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Whatever. What do you want? Floral, perhaps. Sea salt. Yes. The beach. Sandalwood. Sandalwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, monk's bane. Uh, Thought we were doing real smells. Probably like you made that one up. <laughs> it's probably real. It's probably real. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a cordis- go. Cordyceps, mm-hmm. mushrooms, fungi. There's different smells you could have out there. Earthy tones. Earthy tones. Earthy smells. Musk. Musks, yeah. So that's one mm-hmm. that I have, and then also a library just to different like quotes and ideas. So you could run in there with your quote or idea okay. and see if somebody has had it or before. Because what if you have this really profound quote? You know, like I really want to make this like a thing that I said. Mm-hmm. Well, you gotta. How do you find? It? I guess that's the internet. Never mind. Dang it. That is a little bit internet-y. Let me ask you this: When you were in your twenties. Did you ever claim that your thoughts were from from something that you read to make them sound like more authoritative thoughts? Like, hey, I read this somewhere, and then you just say your own thought. No, is that something you did constantly? Is that something you do now? No, I don't do it anymore. I've uh, I've read some things now, which is nice, so I can actually say like, there's a cool book you should look at, which is a, a much better way to do that instead of trying to explain a garbled version. Like your shitty brain version of an actual author's cool thing. Don't do that. Just like, hey, this is a cool book. You should read it. And then stop. No, but yeah, in my uh, early early 20s, like at the end of college, I found myself doing it all the time like to a sociopathic degree. It was like, no, I read somewhere in a magazine or a book or whatever. Like the, it turns out. And then I would just say things that I thought and try to associate them with a higher authority, which is just such a shitty thing. Like, well, I, you know, from age 20 to 24, I was pretty much a monster. I wouldn't trust that person with anything. But <laughs> this on top of those things, is just like, man, like, you're not even having real thoughts and real conversations with people. You're like hiding behind this vague fictional wall of just straight bullshit. I was kind of hoping that you had done it too. So now I'm just I'm just out here by myself. But oh, well, that's I, all right. see, I, you see, our goals are different. Okay, I'm not trying to get people, and this is just part of who we are. I'm not trying to get people to believe what I say. I'm trying to output original things. Okay, and weird and things that are weird, right? And okay. just be original. So when I say things, I hope somebody hasn't heard of it before. That's They're the like, idea. Oh, Rob said something really weird the other day. So it's different. It's a different goal. 
that would it would sadden me if you if if it had come from a book for something I had said because that, that's not a weird thing that I made up. So it's different, oh. but maybe maybe I would. Who knows? So if maybe you were going to be I a probably, version, I probably done the inverse where I heard something that's offhandedly or mm-hmm. saw read something and I forgot about it, and then I thought it was an original thing that I said, and like look at this cool thing that I thought of, mm-hmm. and but it wasn't. So I've probably done something similar. I, I do like that you were striving so hard to be original that you might have stolen something. And I was striving so hard to look like I knew what I was talking about that I wanted to hide all my original thoughts behind fake books and magazines. That's very <laughs> different. Are we t- are we two parts of the same person's brain? Is this, is this the big reveal? Wait, is this podcast really somebody? What if this podcast is somebody's consciousness? And it's just this way of working things out is to have cool. a podcast in their brain. I'm going to do that next time I'm like in an internal quandary. I'm going to I'm going to run a podcast episode about it. Do it. That sounds fun. Have people, have people call in and give their opinion. And then if you're like having to bend things and like people wouldn't call in and give us opinion. The thing you're probably arguing about is probably a shitty idea. It's probably, it's probably really bad. <laughs> that wouldn't really happen. Well, then your idea sucks. So mostly library of smells is my <laughs> library. I like library of smells. I think that's a fun one. I think smells associated with, uh, Memories a lot. I've read that somewhere, which is real. I actually did read that. That, that smells. <laughs> uh, that, that that's the sense most associated with with your memory is, is smells. Uh, my library that I wanted to pitch was like a library of firsthand accounts. And again, kind of like your thing. This is just the internet. But I think when you have a library, and we'll get into this when we talk about libraries proper. Libraries are the source of like the official record a lot of the time. And I I was a history major in college, and one of the first things that history professors tell you is that, you know, newspapers are the first draft of history. That doesn't mean that they got them right. Newspapers have print deadlines. Books are generally using those primary sources. These books uh, use the library. Books use newspapers and magazines and count on those primary sources and try to bring that into a bigger narrative. But again, books aren't 100% reliable. Even George R. R. Martin? Nothing is 100% reliable. It's like the big... Not crux. even George R. R. Martin? Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> he writes about dragons. I'm talking about history over here. So nonfiction books. <laughs> For that joke to land, you would have had to do like a historian, like even Doris Kearns Goodwin. Which is a really deep cut, fun historian joke that we could have done. Even Howard Zinn... Anyway, the joke landed. You just didn't want to let it land. You just wanted to be like, <laughs> you're just, you're just, a, you're just a grumpy. You're, you're just, just a, a mean flight control air tra- guy. Air traffic controller. You're supposed and to just put your glow sticks there and let it go down, and you wouldn't even do that. You piece of shit. Geez, how old is this airport? <laughs> I've had a air traffic controller in the tower making me win. That's somebody on the deck of a glow sticks. World War II carrier. Glow sticks. Point them at the ground. Anyway. The main thing that they teach you your first year as a history major is that the general accepted history of things needs to be constantly questioned because history is written by people who win wars. History is written by the winners constantly. And historically, the winners have been wealthy, landowning white men. And the Maybe history we should that- change that. Maybe not the winners, but the people at best at exploiting others. 
Not necessarily the winners. I feel like you're you're fighting the term winner because you don't like that they won something. But a lot of times they're they're kings and queens and they've conquered lands and they win wars and then they write the history of that war. They are literally the winner. And you know that because they burned all the records that disagree with them, which is why there's only one historical record left. Anyway, the point of it is you, you got to watch out for these things. And not be too, you know, seduced by a version of history that you find appealing to your personal biases, which is a really great thing to teach first-year history majors. Uh, but I think we've gotten to such a technologically advanced place that a library of first-hand accounts could be made. Where you're like, I want to know what happened at uh, this place in time where it's like, oh, there was a, a riot and it got out of control and then these things happened. Like, how many cameras were there? Like, just on cell phones or body cams or whatever. Like, let's try to actually recreate from firsthand accounts what happened and not, let's not read the Post. Let's not read the Times. Let's not read even the local paper who had a, you know, a reporter there. Let's look at literal humans who were there and not their not the context of it necessarily. Like, I don't want to see what they wrote in the tweet. I want to see the video itself and have a library of firsthand accounts. Like, I want to know what happened at Tim's birthday party when he turned 23 because Tim was really drunk and he doesn't remember. And you go to that, and like, hey, nine people videotaped it. And you could see whatever you want to see. Or if it's a public event, like, hey, I want to know what happened. I kind of think it should only be public things. Okay, well, fine. Kind of well, seems I, like the thing you're building is just a giant invasion. It seems like Amazon's kind of working on the thing. You're working on. <laughs> They're gonna get to your thing. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. No, maybe only public things. Maybe, but that's the thing. You now you're kind of like in that social media zone where it's like, hey, it's public if I post it, and it's up to me what's public and what's private, which is the whole ongoing struggle that we're having with social media and privacy. But I, I like the idea that there's an official account of a, an event and you had to be in that location to post. But again, that's another invasion of privacy. It's like, I want to know that you were actually there at this date and time before you're allowed to contribute to the official record. So it's riddled with privacy problems and technological problems. I'll grant you that. But like the idea that you can know, like I'm looking at 10 different angles of the same event that were taken by different people on the same day. I don't need to read the story in you know vanity fair about what happened that day on a 10-year retrospective that they wrote up in the magazine i can actually see it because of how many cameras are there and because of all the technology we have i like that idea but you're right there's you a lot of do you want to do the own work your own work and form your own opinions you want to do the hard yeah, work yeah like we used to take newspapers as the primary sources the first draft of history that's what they're called but like well newspapers are getting their information from somewhere it's like it's just closer and closer to the metal as as we go down, right? Like, well, newspapers were as close as you can get. But if that guy, that reporter just interviewed nine people, then he or she's writing a story based on those nine accounts. But because of technology now, like you could just watch those nine accounts if they have their camera phones on or their body cams on. If it's a an officer, like you don't need to hear an account and have that filtered through a reporter oh. who puts it through a copy editor. You're getting closer and closer to the the unbridled truth, basically. I think that's interesting. I think that's where I, I think social media is kind of angling that way, but it's still just a uh, clusterfuck. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Uh, they're working on your thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> I, I, maybe there's not a way to actually curate that in a way that's unbiased. And there probably isn't because anytime you curate I, something, you're inherently I liked bringing what, I liked what you were putting there together, but I don't understand why you want it up to the minute. I would say like release stuff 50 years ago and earlier and then it keeps rolling forward. I don't, it's weird. The, and the minute stuff is interesting. Like you want to know what you were like doing. 
last week from the nine people's cell phones that was there. That's weird. Oh, that's that was like seven years ago. I said my 24th birthday. That was a joke about how oh. I can't remember my 24th birthday. Oh, but you wouldn't really use it for that. You'd use it. No, I totally to see, would. Like, I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. interesting. Because part, I mean, part of that's a cool idea to see like a collection of firsthand reports of like what happened in historic battles or something. But the weird part is like when you get into some place where now it's like some hyper transparency mm-hmm. where everybody is watching everybody all the time and like reporting on all the bad things they're doing and like making up. Like, it's yeah. part of it's dystopian, but we part just of it's invented cool. the, the next door app. That's what we just did, which is <laughs> well, terrible. I kinda, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to make a better next door app too, but that's different. <laughs> they're all bad ideas. Yeah, but, if, well, if there was just... some sort of authority that could establish what the first-hand accounts really were. But then again, like now you're talking about an authority figure that's going to edit things out. And yeah, man, there's no way to, to actually get down to it. I, I feel like we can get closer than, than a newspaper article now, I guess is what brought it to mind. And if we could get closer than a newspaper article, then that should be what historians are looking at oh, for what so actually not happened. Just, so maybe just not, maybe not everybody and not just journalists, but more of a... They have them in some like citizen journalism sort of thing. Mm-hmm. More like it's not just random people's cell phones. It's more, but more active participation. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, Something like that. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. But I, I think like when you go back now, like you got the the little microfilm reader, and you're looking at newspaper articles from that day, and that's the best you can do. You want to find out what happened in 1951 in your hometown? Like what happened with this thing? And there was, there was a fire, and we don't know. The newspapers from that day. Or maybe some someone's diary from that day. Yeah. Those are the best things you can find. That's not true anymore, but I don't know that we're cataloging and librarying these things. Okay. The, the, here's the way to make it okay is have it that some pe- that people like submit to. Like not just that you're taking the nine people's cell phones from the area, like they, they submitted to this first-hand account library. Yeah, like we're saying, like the social media thing, it's private or it's public because I've decided uh, it's private or public. Like, gotcha. I'm gonna, I get you I'll now. submit it. I'll throw it up. I get you. I'm picking it up now. I'm a little slow. I'm a little slow, but now I'm getting it. I'm getting the full picture. Not in the top three words I would use to describe you probably ever. Yeah. The top three, definitely blonde. Mm-hmm. Blonde. Muscular. Buff. Yep. yep. Buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third one is toes. Articulate. Huh? I said articulate. Oh, thanks, Because you buddy. couldn't think of a third word that felt like the funny. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's my pitch. <laughs> Good I think luck both editing those... this episode. <laughs> no, this episode is hot white gold magnets. <laughs> they're so good and worth. They're so valuable and they stick together. And they're liquid too. Whoa! They get it. Like T one thousand gold magnets. Yeah. Cool. And they're like this. It's getting everywhere, but it's awesome because like this is money. Yeah. Anyway, like the movie Sphere was, with Dustin Hoffman, where the gold stuff got everywhere. You know. Yeah, I love the movie Sphere. <laughs> we should do an episode on the movie Sphere. Mm-hmm. I did a PowerPoint presentation about the book and the movie Sphere in middle school. I read the book Sphere. It's amazing. Book Sphere is awesome. It's way better than the movie Sphere. Oh, we could do a we could do it about the book Sphere because I did read the book in that book. Is one of probably one of my favorite books that I read. Yeah, that's when Crichton got like as nerdy as possible. He really let it all go for Sphere. I feel like he had just read A Wrinkle in Time and was like, I'm going to do one better than that. (laughs) (laughs) That was picking with your best shot. But now we're going to talk about libraries. We got Tim did some research about libraries. Hey, we're going to talk about if they're good or not. Yes. 
Tim, I think you know, Tim. I think the initial reaction is to say yes. Libraries are good. Yeah, that's my initial reaction. What's yours? Uh, libraries are okay. They could be better. <laughs> libraries are okay. They're pretty good. <laughs> They're pretty good. So I don't know. Do you want me to just hit you with some things, or do you want to hit me with some things? And what? What? What's? What's up with libraries? I'll look at you some of the beginning history stuff. I did geek out on the history of libraries. It is really cool. Uh, I think libraries. First library. Kinda, go. Oh shoot. All right, history of libraries, Tim. Slap us with it. Slap us. Give us that big meat slap of library history. Never say big meat slap ever again. (laughs) What struck me as cool about the history of libraries was that the beginning of libraries is also like the beginning of history as we know it. Prehistory is kind of all the the time with just tools and starting to come together with uh, subsistence agriculture as people came together in tribes and clans. And then as we begin writing things down, we start to archive those things. And then that begets libraries. And so libraries are are part of the cornerstone of the historical record as we know it. But there's catalogs documenting, like, we're going to use the word book just the entire time because this is just a podcast with us. But like book could mean a clay tablet. Book could mean uh, a group of scrolls in a big basket. That's what they, they kind of use all the same word uh, anyway, because they were just talking about a collection of knowledge. And that's where our, our word book comes from. But catalogs of books... Uh, they found as early as 2000 BC. So that was kind of cool to learn how far back it went and how important libraries were to history. Uh, But the original, as far as libraries being okay, libraries were originally private. They were for wealthy people who knew how to read. And that was obviously a very stratified uh, class system. And then more and more they became open to the public, but even public, it wasn't open to everyone. They weren't open to peasants. It was still a class system where if you were qualified, you could come into this library. But uh, libraries were mainly known for like having the copy of a thing because everything was recopied by hand. So if you've got a copy of the Iliad, right, or the Odyssey, it's all copied down by hand. And what libraries wanted was a trustworthy copy or an authentic, basically, copy. Nothing was authentic in that it was written by the actual author, but trustworthy in that, yeah, that's actually how the Iliad goes. Like that's that's what Homer wanted. And we're gonna keep that copy here in the library. And there were no Do you, do you need an expert who's read these books? It's like this but, one's this one's legit. Basically, like, yeah, you would borrow people from other towns. Like, okay, like this guy knows a guy and they read the thing and now they've brought a copy and we're going to keep that here in the in the town library. And that's how everything was kind of started to that's create trustworthy, how- authentic copies. That's just an economy for nerds. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no re- economy or capitalism around it at all. Like people were making copies of books and just selling them. Like booksellers didn't owe anything to the original authors. There was no intellectual property rights sending money back to these people. So the the whole early library system was a system of rich people having access to the fanciest writing around. Uh, and it was not what we think of now. Like For me, anyway, when I hear the word library, I think of a public free bastion of knowledge. And so that's that's pretty cool. And it really it started probably started out as an old dude's collection of weird porn poems. Most likely. Uh, yeah, you're not. Probably some, some gore poems in there, too, about conquering <laughs> other nations and dismembering them. You're not far off. Wealthy kings gathered tablets and books, uh, but they got them usually through plundering and conquering and then just amassed. It was kind of a status symbol. Like, look, we have the coolest library, which is how like the first big library in the historical record kind of comes about is the Library of Alexandria. It's extensive. 
it's comprehensive. It's open to the public. I'm, I'm making air quotes with my hands right now, but you can't see that because it's a podcast. Uh, by public, they met people that were qualified. But Alexander the Great brought uh, Greek city-states into this larger culture. And then after he died, when his empire was divided, everyone wanted to have the biggest library because it was a status symbol. We're the ones with all the knowledge. This is where everyone should come. Like, we're so amazing. We have all this amazing food and all this amazing culture. And one of the symbols of culture was to have the coolest library. And the library was filled with books that you stole from everyone that you murdered. So not a great history uh, once you look far enough back and really look into it, much like, you know, everything. But... And like you said, they're probably they're getting rid of the history they don't like. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So like it's, you're, you're keeping things, but you're not keeping everything. You're already cherry picking. So as far back as the historical record goes, it's already being looted and burned and modified. So you, you never have a, a whole view of what's what's going on. It's, it's, it's a bunch of information being edited by just the biggest dicks. <laughs> Metaphorically. Just imagine if, like, just the biggest, richest dicks were the ones in charge of editing your movies, and you only got to see the movies that the biggest, richest dicks wanted you to see. I feel like you're just describing the movie industry. Yeah. <laughs> what if What if they were in charge of, like, your life, and, like, you couldn't share photos or, or memories with people without the permission of the richest pieces of shit in the world? Oh, shit. Oops. What a dystopian uh, nightmare. I did it again. Created. I did it again. God damn it. You- I mean, that's called a Rob Thinker. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll jut in there with a little <laughs> bit of a kick to the noggin. You're like, dang, Rob, you really got me there. Dang, dang, dude, you really got me with a thinker. Bringing it back. Bringing it all the way back. See, okay. So Here's, that's the underpinning of libraries. But before you start shitting all over libraries, modern libraries. I wasn't going to shit on libraries. All right. I was going to say, I was going to say, okay, the library experience to me, and I'm sure a lot of people, yeah. ties a lot with the smell of books and paper. And I think that that's probably when it really blew up is when they could start making that smell. Am I right? Libraries. Yes and no. I don't think it's a hundred percent smell related, but all the, the puzzle pieces are coming together where the, you have the Phoenician alphabet is taking over and it's, a, it's a much easier alphabet to write. Uh, cuneiform dies and the Phoenician alphabet comes to the fore and it's close to what we have now where it's like instead of hundreds of symbols there's a couple dozen symbols and now we can make all the all the words so like language got simpler and then uh, Egyptians started making papyrus and so now like we've got a simpler language and we're not carving it into clay and all that together made books possible and that those things made libraries possible they were still held on scrolls and everything we weren't binding books or anything like that yet but you had like a scriptoria where people would just sit and copy books all day and it became a job to copy books and it was easy to copy books because the language was simpler and you could copy them onto paper and you could carry around like the entire odyssey in one basket of scrolls instead of carrying it around on a massive series of, of clay tablets. So yes, as ink and paper came to the fore, that is when libraries kind of coalesced in the historical record. But I don't know if it was just because of that Barnes and Noble type smell. I think it was because of the ease of copying and the ease of carrying things around. But I worked at Barnes and Noble for a little while, and that smell is fantastic to walk into when you're going to work every day. It's great. There's also a Starbucks in there. So it's just coffee and books and ink. And it just made me want to hang out and help people find the book they were looking for. It was great. I hear that the scriptoria workers don't get any breaks. They have to pee in their inkwells. Well, you know, they... 
they did get replaced by robots. Maybe they should have worked a little harder and faster. <laughs> Brutal capitalism. <laughs> so you see, the thing with the library of stone tablets is that just smells like a basement. That's not like, that doesn't mm-hmm. smell like learning. I have to, I mean, maybe I need to smell papyrus. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that maybe, does, have you smelled papyrus? What does it smell like? No, I've never smelled papyrus, no. Mm. Mm. Well, it's got to have some sort of gluey booky smell to it. That's what paper's made of. Yeah. The 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 the, the tree bits and the gluey bits and <laughs> mesh it into a paste and put it onto a sheet. That's how paper is made. I'll do a whole show on paper, but until then, the I, I, I think the old version of the library where it's just for rich people has died away, which is great. Uh the democratization of just knowledge and information generally, obviously the internet brought that forward by leaps and bounds starting in the 80s and 90s. But even before that, like public libraries as a repository for books where people could go and get a free book and read it and return it was fantastic. Uh, And I think modern libraries have been pretty amazing. There's actually a fight right now. I just read about this today where they don't want to let libraries own the books. Like you would just be renting them. The same way like that you rent uh, a movie or have a subscription to Disney Plus where you don't own any of those movies anymore. You don't own a cool collectible VHS that sits on your, on your movie shelf. Physical versions, people. Physical versions. You got to keep those. If you want it, if you really like something, you should get a physical version of it. You never know yeah. when Daddy Jeffy B is going to be like, I don't want to show Interstellar on here anymore. I don't care that you've paid $14.99 for it in 2017, Rob. No more. You can't watch Interstellar on here anymore. I didn't realize how true that was, uh, especially on like Amazon movies. Like if you've bought an Amazon movie, you didn't buy the file. You bought a license to access it. If you buy a movie on Apple, as far as I know, you still own a copy of the movie. But movies that you buy on Amazon right now, you don't even own the copy of the movie. So even if you think you're buying the digital file, like, oh, don't worry, I bought it on my whatever account. Buying them from different services, you get different rights to them. And we can look into that. That's a whole other bag of cats. But libraries are fighting right now. They want a physical copy. They want to own the book so they can loan it out as many times as they want, not have a license to do an e-loan. And libraries do do that right now. They have e-loan programs where you can sign up with your Kindle and borrow electronic books. Like, And during the pandemic, what? that was huge for me and my family. Yeah, it's real. So like, know that. We're going, Any book? What's that? Any book? They they treat it like a physical book where you have an, like the library has a given amount of electronic copies. So none of this really oh, makes sense silly. because they, it's a file. But they oh you've got five copies of this book you can loan out this many at a time. Obviously the bookseller wants you to still buy the book so they want to cap the number of books that the library has access to. But you can go on a waitlist just like any other book and then when it's ready it just gets delivered to your Kindle and so you just get a notification. And the book that you wanted is already in your house. So during COVID, during the peak of COVID, I should say, uh, that was great. So my wife and I were reading books and they had a full ebook library for kids too. It's like we're on there getting kids books uh, in full color delivered to my iPad that I can read to my kids and we're not having to leave the house. Uh, All kinds of cool stuff that they're doing with e-loans. So e-loans are great. They can be super helpful, but they can't be the only way that libraries have books because then, as you said, the corporations are going to decide who has what books. And now you're editing the the public's access to information in real time, which sounds terrifying. Yeah. I didn't know that that e-loan thing existed. That's crazy. That's really that was cool. my thing. I, I think that libraries are cool and good, but you know, this whole COVID thing has, has me thinking about 
the way that we share responsibility for vulnerable people who can get sick a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think more things sometimes, if you can just shift it more to being digital and more available, that'd be great. I didn't know that libraries already did that, though. That's what I was going to say, that they should have all their books online. Mm-hmm. The number of copies thing is really dumb. I don't get that. I mean, I get it from a business standpoint. I don't get it from a giving people knowledge standpoint, but... Well, so the thing, they're not in the business do. of giving people knowledge. Yeah, they're in the business of selling books. So I bet the library has Libraries to pay. Are? No, the bookseller. So I yeah, bet yeah, the yeah. bookseller sells a certain number of digital copies with all these strings attached. Like, yeah, you can have five copies, but you can only loan them out this way with these systems and so on and so forth. Well, that, can the book, can the library make their own digital copy? Can they get their physical copy and make a PDF and then sell, <laughs> give that to anybody? That, can they? They could. I think that now you're running afoul of copyright law. But yeah, I think obviously technically they could. We could do that. We could do that right now. We could just start making PDFs of books and then putting. I them don't want to do that. That's, that sounds like too much work. But if you thought pirating a movie was easy, man, do I have some news for you about PDFs on the internet and pirated books? They are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I mean, it, it, like as you said, it's cool for the dissemination of knowledge. But like now you're getting into that really the actual interesting part where we're not just dunking on piece of shit billionaires. There really does have to be some money at the end of the day for authors. And they get that through book sales. So if you are just stealing PDFs all day long, at oh, some yeah. point you're running into a not problem. The theft. I didn't know that there was so many free books available. Everywhere. That part's awesome. Yeah. Not the theft. Th- that's the problem. People like free books, but they don't like the theft. People like free movies, but they don't like the theft. And it's just like, well, at, at some point, if you like the thing, you do need to pay for it because un- until, you know, Bernie Sanders is president, we do live in a capitalist society. That was a joke uh, about democratic socialism. Yeah, it's awesome. Quit joking about it. Bernie bro all the way. Just kidding. Not really. I was going to say, I can never tell when you're kidding. I feel like you're a little left of me. We don't have to get political. But yeah, it's fun to figure out where you are on the spectrum. You're a wild card. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think people should make money off sick people or stupid people. Mm -hmm. Everybody everybody should get all the education and health they need for free. And then use that to make other things that benefit society. I think that'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be cool too. And also a house to live for free. See, now you're getting into the... It it is fun, like to to find the issues where we start to break. I, well, I don't. Not every not everybody gets a house for free. If you can't afford a house, you should just get a house for free. It's the cheapest way to deal with homeless people. It is the cheapest way to deal with homeless people. The fact that there are prob- policy problems with that is is super annoying. Yeah, we don't have to. That's we have to go line by line on the Democratic platform. So that's libraries. I I definitely think they're good. I think that they've also evolved into their goodness. And I'm worried they're going to keep evolving into a digital nightmare uh, where companies are licensing books to libraries and can pull those books back instead of the concrete copies being at the library. So that's definitely a, a thing to keep an eye on. And I'll link to some of those articles in show notes that talk about the current fight for concrete copies in libraries because it, it's a super interesting read and something I honestly didn't know a lot about until this week. So that was really Has cool. It, have you read anything about like any pushes to privatize them? They're not private, right? They're all public institutions, uh, yeah, correct? There are private libraries, but yeah, no, most public libraries that we think of are. There, there are private libraries? Do sure. they work the same as public ones? I was picturing like a library at a private college. Oh, interesting. Well, like you can't get into the library unless you're a student, like any university library. But unlike university libraries, it's not open. Like, so I think state schools, like uh, that'd be an interesting thing to look up. 
I don't know if you can walk into the University of Nebraska library and use it oh. as a non-student. But then just imagine that ratcheted up to a private college where it's like you can't even get in here without an ID and to go here, you have to be, yeah, there's just more and more walls. You can walk into the UNO food court and get some pizza. Yeah, it's Anybody true. can. Anybody can do that. I know you can walk into the UNO library. I'm wondering if you can get a book. You can bring some pizza from the food court in the library. Because you can use the gym and everything, but you have to pay. Yeah, you do have Maybe to pay. Maybe you can be a member of the library. You have to pay. Actually, I pay for my public library membership right now because I'm technically outside the city limits. There you go. I That's know. the trick. That's the ticket. On the wrong. Did you, did you think of that? I didn't. I, did, I just assumed that I was inside the city limits. Turns out I'm not. Well, quit being an idiot. Did you think of that? You're outside the city limits too, clown. Yeah, but I'm further. I say we live on the same side of Giles. You can't go to yeah. the. You can't go to the public library either. Yeah, I'm further outside. Specific neighborhood banter about roads and city limits in Omaha. That's what the people are here for. That's what they want. You know it, and then you know what they're really here for. Mm-hmm. The coda, and it starts a little something like this. Well, I had a great time. Hey, yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. What was your favorite part of the show? Oh, you know. I really like the part where we talked about friendship at various points. Nice. Because it's really good to break down your own barriers and just let people into your life and just be like, hey, you want to be my friend? You want to share my you want to share my different meats and my meat collection? You want to look at these? Tell me which one you want to eat. We can taste them together. That's beautiful. It's just beautiful stuff. What was your favorite part? I like the brain hug. I like the imagery of the brain hug. I liked um I liked the dark turn of eternal brain hugging that it took and the positive start that it had. Uh, and that whole conversation was pretty cool. Yeah. We should do this again. Like next Wednesday? Yeah, we, no, we totally should do it again. Um, next Wednesday, I'm out of town. So maybe Thursday? All right. Next Thursday it is. This was fun. This was fun. This has been Are We Sure This Is Good? with Rob Derland and Tim Mull. You can find us online at AreWeSureThisIsGood.com. If you want to see things we think are good, check out the Are We Sure This Is Good YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter at AWSTIG. Suggestions or questions? Drop us a line at AreWeSureThisIsGood at gmail.com. From all of us here at Momland, keep those headphones at a reasonable volume, never argue with a drunk, and whenever possible, hug someone you love. You gotta just cut that whole thing out. No one's gonna be able to tell if you're kidding or not. It's laughed after it. That's, That's exactly what a douchebag who really believed it would do. Oh, nuts. Everything's folded in on itself like spaghetti. Yeah. Like that brain hug. Like a brain hug. See, now I gotta put it all back in. Nope. Just kidding. Just cut out the brain hug part too, and you're fine.